If you're visiting here this morning, my name is Dave Jane. I'm the lead pastor at Connect Church. We are thrilled that you're here. Welcome to Connect Church. We hope you enjoy your morning here and that you come back again. Um, if you are visiting, you may not know this. Um, I happen to be a fan of football, the English football. Um, if you've been here many weeks, that may be a surprise to you. Maybe you didn't know that's a closely guarded secret that I have, that I'm a bit of an uh, English football fan. And now some of you are out there right now. I know you are. I even know the kind of rough area you're sitting in. You're like, dude, that's not football. Let me, we, we play football over here. Well, I beg to differ just a little bit. I've been doing some research on this, okay? And um, just just go with me here a little bit. I want you to use your, uh, your logic here. And um, you see, we play football because it involves a ball and we kick it with our foot. That's right, yeah. So we thought, you know, let's call it football. Now, the way I understand it, if we can just see this picture up there, um, you hold it in your hands and it's shaped more like an egg. So I'm not really sure why you don't call it hand egg instead of um, football. I, I, I know, it's, I'm preaching to the wrong crowd here. You're all the other football fans and I'm a soccer fan. So um, yeah, for, for the sake of you guys this morning, we'll, we'll call it soccer. That's uh, or soccer as we... Uh, as, well, no, as, as, as we say in England, but we don't say that in England. We say football in England. So, um, soccer. Okay, so I, I showed that clip because I am a soccer fan. Okay, I grew up in England and uh, I played soccer and I used to go to see soccer matches live. And if you've ever been to a soccer match in England or uh, Europe or South America, you would have been part of a crowd just like that one that I showed in the video just before there. It's loud and you have two sets of fans filling the stadium and they're cheering and they're shouting and they're clapping. But the unique thing about soccer matches, because I know the you know, um, professional f- um, sports arenas here in America are just the same. You know, There's a lot of volume and a lot of cheering and a lot of shouting. But what makes soccer, I think, fairly unique is that the fans are so loyal to their teams that they actually come up with chants and they come up with songs that they sing. And depending on which team you follow, there are different songs and suddenly all the fans will start singing one of those songs songs and they'll all sing together and it's, it's just like nothing I can describe to be in a soccer stadium and hear those fans chanting those chants. So the video that I showed you this morning uh, was one of my favorite chants that I would have sung uh, at, a, at a soccer match if I was younger back in England and um, basically it would go something like this. So you'd have two sets of fans and they'd be at different ends of the stadium and it might be a really exciting game and the score is 0-0 and that is, you know, really the exciting thing about soccer. I know you guys are like, that's what I love about soccer is 0-0. Awesome. So um, it might be like a really exciting game and it's 0-0 and they're singing and we're singing and we're chanting and they're chanting and then suddenly my team scores and it's 1-0 and the crowd erupts and we're singing and then finally after a couple of minutes the, uh, the, the sound dies down a bit and we notice that being a goal down, the other fans, they stopped singing. It's all kind of quiet down their end of the stadium now. So that's the moment football, soccer stadiums around the world join in with this great song. And I'm going to play it again for you now because I could tell by the looks on your faces when I walked out, none of you had any idea what they were saying. But uh, they were actually singing a song called, You Only Sing When You're Winning. You Only Sing When You're Winning. So can we play that video one more time? Listen to this. Thank you. 
And I don't know if you caught that, but just in case seeing when you're winning isn't humiliated enough to shout at an opposing fan, they start joining the second verse there, which is, and it's all gone quiet over there. So if you're on the, uh, the losing team, you're stood there listening to tens of thousands of people just pointing and singing at you. You only sing when you're winning. So um, I, I, I share that really, you know, long exciting story for all you soccer fans out there, uh, because it really does set up well what I want to speak about this morning. Because this morning I'm going to actually talk about a couple of guys that we read about in the Bible, and um, they, they understood what it meant to sing when they were winning, okay? And uh, they didn't just sing when they were winning. They sang all the time, and, and we're going to read about them together. And uh, their story is told in um, a book in the New Testament called Acts. Now, if you've not heard of that book, it was, uh, it was written, you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they tell the story of Jesus from four different authors' perspective. And at the end of all four of those stories, obviously, Jesus, he dies, and uh, we read that he, he rose again. And then the very next book is this book called Acts, and sometimes it's called the Acts of the Apostles. And basically, it's, it's chapter two. It's what continues on after the life of Jesus. It's the Acts of the Apostles, the... the um, the things that the apostles, the disciples did after Jesus had gone to help start the church. And one of the key figures in this, this book called Acts is a guy by the name of Paul. And this morning we're going to read about Paul because Paul appears a lot throughout this book. And here's the thing with Paul you need to understand, and I've shared this before, but Paul wasn't always called Paul. Paul at one time was called Saul. And Paul was a Christ follower, someone who was passionate about sharing Jesus. But Paul didn't always used to be a Christ follower. In fact, Saul, as he was once known, was the complete opposite. He was a persecutor of Christians. He didn't just give Christians a hard time. It was his job to see that they were arrested and sometimes even killed just because they followed Christ. And we actually read in this book called Acts very early on of this encounter that, that Paul had with the resurrected Jesus. Jesus appears to him. This is after he's died and gone back to heaven. It says that Paul, or Saul as he was then, was walking on the road and Jesus, like a blinding light, appears to him on this road. And he says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Paul has this encounter. Saul, he has this encounter with Jesus and it changes his life forever. He realizes that Jesus is, in fact, real. He is, in fact, who he says he is. And he is who his followers have been speaking about. And Paul realizes, you know, I, this, this son of God, this Jesus, he's real. And he goes from being a persecutor of Christians to someone who proclaims the truth of Christians. He, comes, he goes from being somebody who, who spoke out against Jesus as being somebody who spoke for Jesus. And actually, as you read on through Acts and a lot of the books in the New Testament, you hear more and more about how Paul basically committed his life from then on to proclaiming Jesus. He was one of the very first missionaries. He traveled all over the world of that time, sharing about Jesus and winning people to him, gathering Christ followers all around that area. And we're going to take a moment here this morning and look at one uh, little segment of his life. He's, he's actually hanging out with a guy by the name of Silas. And together they're, they're out and they're proclaiming, they're preaching and they're teaching in the areas. And listen to what happens. Uh, so it's in this book called Acts and it's in chapter 16. And uh, if you want to follow along, we're going to put the words up on the screen there. It's verses 22 to 34. It says that a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas. 
And the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and he clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors were wide open and he assumed the prisoners had escaped. So he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for the lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Then they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. That that phrase is still true for us today. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who um, lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and he set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. I love this story about Paul and Silas. I think just in and of itself, it's a great story, but there's so much that it can challenge us today in our modern lives. And that's what I want to do today is look at this this situation, look at this story, and see how we can apply it in our situations this morning. You see, the reason we find ourselves at this story this morning is is last week we closed out a series on um, making room for life. And um, in a couple of weeks, we're actually going to start a brand new series and uh, get ready for this. It's going to be our Easter series. It's actually leading up to Easter. I know some of you are like, seriously, isn't that like six months from now? No, it's getting a lot closer. So we're going to actually start working our way up towards Easter Sunday. But this Sunday, we kind of had a break here. And I was, I was just praying and just kind of thinking what I want to speak about on this, uh, on this one-off service this morning. And some different things have been going on in, in our lives right now. And then something else happened this week where um, if you live here in Washington, this news would have been um, fairly, uh, you'd have been aware of this this week, that we received news, I think it was Tuesday night, that FEMA had denied their support or, um, for the city of Washington. We didn't meet the, the criteria we needed, so we didn't qualify for the aid. And I've been um, talking to the mayor and, you know, I've been at some of these meetings. So I knew that as a city, we were kind of holding out for that and really hoping they would come through and help meet some of those expenses. So that was a a big deal. So I actually, I was praying Wednesday morning. I was praying for the mayor and the leaders of the city because I knew that they had to be waking up just disheartened that morning. Just, you know, they were really holding out for that and then it didn't come to pass. And so I was praying with them. I, I, I even actually sent a text to the mayor and just said, hey, I'm praying for you. And I just believe God's going to help us here and we need to look to him and not to, to man in these situations. But it got me thinking through these, these situations of how do we handle that when, when, when things come, come up that we weren't expecting? When we find ourselves in a situation, and, and uh, especially this morning if you're here and you're a Christ follower, especially if you're here this morning and you've made a decision to follow Jesus, and then something happens and it just comes out of nowhere and you're like, oh man, I just did not see that coming. And how do we respond in those situations? And I want to look at Paul and Silas here this morning and look at how they responded and see if we can learn from them here this morning at Connect. 
So the first thing that I realize when I read this story is that, number one, bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to good people. And I, I apologize if you're here this morning and maybe you're new to church and we at any point have tried to communicate that if you were to, to follow Jesus, if you are to give your life and follow him, then no more bad things will ever happen. If you're here this morning and you're a Christ follower and you've been following him for any length of time in your life, you'll know that that's not the case. It's a wonderful life and following Jesus changes your life forever. But it doesn't protect us from bad things still happening. We live in a broken world and sometimes through decisions of our own or even through situations that we can't control, we find ourselves in situations where, where stuff happens, bad things happen. And here's the crazy thing. Paul and Silas in this situation, they were doing something really good. They didn't deserve to be in prison. They were preaching about Jesus. They were out there doing what they felt God had called them to do. So it's not even like they were running from God. They were right where God wanted them to be. And suddenly they find themselves in prison. And maybe like Paul and Silas, you find yourself sometimes saying, God, I was really living for you. I was doing things the way I I felt you wanted me to do. And then this happens? God, that's not fair. (laughs) Sometimes I think we find ourselves saying, you know what, God? There were times where I really wasn't living for you and things were going pretty good. It's only really been since I've started really um, committing more to you that these things have happened. What's up with that? And we find ourselves saying, God, come on. I'm, I'm on your side now. Doesn't that protect me from some of these things? And yet we find here from this story that Paul and Silas, they were, they were preaching the gospel. They were doing what God wanted them to do. And they didn't make the mistake of thinking that because they were Christ followers, they were, they were safe from any harm. In fact, I think Paul fully understood this. Paul, more than any of us us here this morning, fully understood this. And I know this because I can read what he says in um, a letter that he wrote to the Corinthians. So listen to a little description here uh, that Paul wrote about some of the things he'd, he'd encountered since being a Christ follower and since following God's plan for his life to share Jesus throughout the world of that day. He says in 2 Corinthians 11, 23 to 27, are they servants of Christ I am out of my mind to talk like this. He's addressing a situation in that church, and he's kind of sharing what he's been through. He says, I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and I have been naked. All right. How many of you want to follow Jesus? Hands up. Anyone excited about that life that you're a, a part of? Paul's saying, listen, it's been tough. I've been out there proclaiming Jesus and I've been persecuted. There's been difficult times. And Paul understood that just because he was a follower of Jesus, it didn't mean that he was safe or protected from difficult times coming. Now, let me just share this with you as somebody who's been a follower of Jesus for, for 20 years now. I can't guarantee you that you'll never have problems. In fact, to be honest with you, I can guarantee you this morning that you will have problems. That problems will come your way because life has problems. 
But what I've experienced is that through everything I've been through, good or bad, I've never felt that God has left me. I felt his presence with me. In fact, to be honest with you, sometimes I felt his presence with me more during those tough times. There's actually a verse in the Bible where where God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And that's what keeps me going through those tough times, knowing that God is right there with me. That sometimes when I'm hurting, he's hurting. But here's the thing that blows me away about Paul and Silas. And this is what I want us to really kind of focus in on this morning. So the first thing is that we realize that bad things happen to good people. But despite their circumstances, listen to this, despite their circumstances, they worshipped and their chains fell off. That's just crazy to me. Despite their circumstances, they worshipped. I have to be honest with you here this morning. If I'd have been in that prison cell at midnight, in chains, arrested for, for doing what God had told me to do, I'm not sure I would have been singing worship songs. I might have been singing a certain song like, Come on, God! What are you doing? Like, my song would have had a different tune. I'd have been mad. And yet the Bible says that they were praying and praising. They were singing these songs. And when I look at that, it it causes me to ask myself, why I worship? It causes me to look and say, why do I? And and we do this a lot at Connect Church. If you're visiting here this morning, you know, we we started out with some singing this morning. And and maybe you think that's just something we do here. But for us, that's, that's a real practical way for us to worship God. We, we sing those words and those melodies, and many of the songs are based on verses that you can find in the Bible. And, and for us, that's a really good way to be able to tell God just how much we love him. So on a Sunday, we come in and we sing those songs, and it's just our time to say, God, I love you so much, and this is what you mean to me, and this is why I want to sing this morning. This is why I want to follow you. And, and those are what those words, those songs mean. That's what that time of worship means. But it causes me to ask this question, why do I worship? Because some Sundays I think we come in and we are just ready to sing. We're just so happy with what God's done in our life and we are looking forward to singing. And, but there's other Sundays where we're probably mouthing the words and we're smiling on the outside, but on the inside, there's not a lot of desire to sing. We're not really in the singing mood. And maybe the only reason some of us worship on those mornings is because Justin has stood up there and said, come on guys, let's stand up. This is a great song, let's sing. And, and the only reason we're singing is because someone told us to sing. You know, I, um, I grew up in England and we're, uh, we're quite a strange country. We have a lot of tradition and history and that kind of thing. And um, part of that history is, uh, is our government. We have the Houses of Parliament. That's where our government sits. And uh, in the Houses of Parliament, you have the Prime Minister, and he represents one of um, the political parties there, and he's voted in. But you also have members of Parliament. And these members of Parliament, they are voted for by areas throughout the country, much like uh, you guys do here in America. And there are two areas in Parliament. There's the, the House of Commons and the House of Lords. Now, the House of Commons, I think, and I'm going to have someone who's brilliant at history come and completely correct me here, but I think the House of Commons would be kind of similar to your Congress, and then the House of Lords would be similar to your Senate, uh, a little bit in the structure. But ours is like, you know, really old. uh, It's been around for ages. And the House of Lords, they're a little bit more um, uh, kind of elite. um, And actually, some of the members of the House of Lords are only members of the House of Lords because they were born into it. It's part of their, their lineage. 
And the, uh, the House of Lords, they have quite um, a strange get-up. I think we've got a picture we can put up here of how they dress. They don't always dress like this, but sometimes when they're meeting, they'll, uh, that's, that's a picture there from the House of Lords, okay? So these are the guys that are running my country. That's awesome. So... Um, <laughs> I heard a story once about a, a member of parliament, and he was just in the House of Commons. His name was Neil Mertens. And Neil, he represents a particular area in the country, and some of his constituents had come to visit him at the Houses of Parliament. And he agreed to give them a tour around the Houses of Parliament. So here you've got this MP who's just wearing a regular suit, and you've got six or seven people from his constituency, and he's, he's taking them to places that maybe members of the public don't normally get to go. And he's saying, that room over there, that's where we meet to do this. And that's where the prime minister sits over there. And, and he's doing the tour. And as he's doing the tour, he goes into this room. And the gentleman on the left, if we can pull that picture back up just for a second, his name is Lord Hailsham. And Lord Hailsham at the time, he was the chancellor. And he came walking into the room in his full, um, his full outfit, his full regalia there. And he was friends with Neil, this MP. So as he looked across the room and saw this group of uh, people coming in and saw Neil, the guy in the middle, he recognized him. He was like, Neil! And all the people in the group, not really sure of etiquette, went... <laughs> thinking that maybe, maybe we have to. We don't know who he is or why he's dressed like that, but we'd better kneel. Because he just shouted that at us. True story. Now, as crazy as that is, sometimes I wonder if when we come in and Justin says, okay, we're going to sing. Why are we singing? Are we singing because, man, I can't wait to stand up and sing? Or is it like someone's just stood up and said, worship? And that's why we're worshiping. Because the truth is, Dave, I'm smiling on the outside this morning, but there is nothing in me that wants to sing. If you knew what had happened this week, if you knew the news I'd got this week, if you knew what happened this morning on the way to church, Nothing in me wants to sing. Hence the title of my message, Sing When You're Winning. Are we the, the fans that stop singing when we're not winning? Or do we sing even louder like Paul and Silas did? You see, Paul and Silas, they understood what it meant to worship. When they were praying, when they were singing those songs, they'd learned this lesson. And I'm going to put this phrase up on the screen. They'd learned this. It says, don't let... What's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what's right with God? Don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what's right with God. You know, you could have gone through any number of things this week. But these two guys, they found themselves in prison, beaten for just doing what God asked them to do. And they had every reason to say, God, this isn't fair. God, I don't want to sing. This is miserable, God. But they didn't. They chose to worship God. And what happened? Their chains fell off. We read this story and it's amazing. We find out that as they worshipped, their chains fell off. I actually believe that God wants us to learn something from that example. I think that some of us this morning, it, we've got stuff going on in our lives. And it's, they're not physical chains, but they're like chains wrapped around us. What we've been going through, maybe it's a sickness or a hardship or something at work or something at home or something in the family. And, and you've come in this morning and you're smiling on the outside, but it's like you are bound up in chains. And nothing in you wants to worship God. But I think you can experience what Paul and Silas experienced. I think you can worship God. Even when you don't feel like worshiping him, you can worship God. And you can experience the chains 
falling off. I think some of us, when we worship in those situations, that's what breaks the chains. That's what sets us free. It's that, that choice. We can choose the attitude we have. Yes, God, I've had a lousy week. Yes, God, I've had, I'm going through a real tough time right now. But I'm going to choose to worship you now. I'm not going to allow what's wrong with me to stop me from worshiping what's right with you. And even though in my heart, this, this is hard for me to sing these words, I still know that they're true. That you are awesome and that I love you. And I want to tell you just how great you are. And in the midst of Paul and Silas' worship, their chains fell off. You know, as I was preparing this message, I was thinking, man, if Paul could come here today, if somehow we could get Paul up onto the stage and interview him and say, Paul, tell us about that story. Tell us about how you felt in the prison cell. What was it like at midnight, hurting and bruised and, you know, defeated to be singing worship songs? Where do you get that from? How do you do that? Paul, wasn't that awesome? When in the middle of singing, your chains fell off, that had to be the best part of the story, right? I mean, that had to be the most awesome part to know that you were singing and your chains fell off. You were set free. Wasn't that the best part of that moment? I think Paul would say, you know what? No, that actually wasn't the best part. Don't get me wrong. That was great. It was brilliant to sing like that and see the chains break and the earthquake come and the, the gates fly open and the walls fall down. But that actually wasn't the best part. And I don't believe that even Paul and Silas felt that was the best part. Because if it was, they'd have got up at that point and left. But they didn't. They stayed there. And here's why I think they stayed. Because we find out that this jailer... He came into the cell completely assuming that everyone had escaped, ready to kill himself because all his prisoners had got away. And Paul's like, wait, 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 wait. We're still here. Let me tell you why we're still here. Let me tell you about this God that we've been singing about. Because the third thing of this story that I love is that God turns their bondage into someone else's freedom. God turns their bondage, their situation of being enslaved. He used that. To buy somebody else's freedom. You see, if they had never been in that jail, we don't know if that jailer would ever have got to hear about Jesus. The reason that jailer and his entire family, the Bible says, were saved is because he met Paul and Silas in chains in a prison cell. And I don't think that it's just that he met Paul and Silas. He'd probably seen some other Christians around, some other people that were following Jesus, but... What was different about Paul and Silas was in the midst of being arrested and imprisoned, there they were just worshiping God. And I think that spoke to that jailer. In fact, I know it did because the question he asked them was, what must I do to be saved? I think that's amazing that this situation that we could look at and say, man, that was terrible that Paul and Silas were arrested and put in chains. Actually, for that jailer and his family, it was about the best thing that could possibly happen. Because it was that situation that led to him discovering Jesus. Casey and I used to live up in the uh, northwest suburbs of Chicago. We worked for the church there. And while we were there, we actually worked in a youth group. And there was a, a girl in that group. She was about 14 years old at the time. Lovely girl. And um, her parents were divorced. So her and her younger brother, they lived with dad. And we, we got an alert on uh, Thanksgiving afternoon, Thanksgiving evening to pray for her and her family because they'd all been at a family function. And dad, young guy, just in his early 40s, after lunch had been outside with his brothers and his family, just throwing football in the backyard. 
and had a massive heart attack and died on Thanksgiving Day. And this beautiful 14-year-old girl just suddenly loses her dad. And I can remember talking to her and uh, me and another guy that worked with the youth group, we would meet with her, we'd pray with her. And it was a really tough time, but, you know, there was a couple of years went by and I remember talking to her one day and she's like, Dave, she goes, I've got to tell you this story. She said, there's a kid at my school and she's going through a really tough time right now. Her dad's left and she's just really angry and she's dealing with this stuff. And she said, I was able to talk to her and say, hey, listen, I know what you're going through. My dad, he didn't leave, he, he died. But let me tell you what God did to me through that. And she started to share her story with this, this friend of hers. And she said, Dave, this girl opened up and I was able to tell her about Jesus and how he'd got me through that. And how he'd been able to help me um, find him through this. And I was able to tell her that Jesus loved her just as much. And he wants to be there for her in that hard times. He wants to be there for her to help her get through this difficult time with her dad leaving her like that. And she was excited telling me about how God was able to use what was a, a real difficult situation. She was excited telling me that now God was using this, that she could share this with her friends. Now, don't get me wrong. I know her, and I know that in a heartbeat, if she could get her dad back, she'd have him back. But what she recognized was that in this situation, God was using what was a, a, a bad thing in her life and was now using it to reach others. God used this situation with Paul and Silas, what was a bad thing, to actually reach others. And maybe some of us need to look at our situation and say, God, not only do I want to sing and worship, I want to thank you, God, because I'm going to choose to believe that I'm going through this right now for a reason. And whatever it is that I'm going through, I think I'm going to be able to, maybe there's someone I'm going to meet through this situation in my life. I don't want to be here right now, but God, maybe there's someone I'm going to meet and I'm going to be able to share with them what you've done in my life. Maybe I'm going to come through this and and in the future I'll be able to speak to someone else. And because of what I've been through, I'll be a a help to them. I'll be a support to them because I've, I've come through. I'm on the other side and I can tell them how I got through it. And maybe we just get to that point where we're like, God... I don't like being here right now, but I'm going to choose to worship you. I'm going to choose to to sing even when I'm not winning because, God, maybe there's a reason I'm here right now. Maybe you're going to do something in my life. You know, I'll finish off with a a story here this morning about a guy um, who lived during the Second World War. His name was Viktor Frankl. Viktor Frankl, he was a Jew during the Second World War. He was uh, imprisoned in a concentration camp. He survived and uh, he was liberated at the end of the war. And he went on to um, do many things with his life, one of which was to write this book called Man's Search for Meaning. And here's what Viktor Frankl wrote in that book. He's a Jew. He survived life in a concentration camp. He talks about the fact that they took away his clothing, his pictures, his personal belongings. Do you know, he says, they even took away my name. I was 119104. But he wrote this in his book. He said, everything can be taken from a man, but one thing, the last of human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. Anything can be taken from a man, but one thing. It's our last of human freedoms. It's to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. That's what inspires me when I read about Paul and Silas, that they had the choice in that prison cell. And what did they do? They chose to pray and worship God. 
And this morning, you know, we started out at the very beginning, we sang a couple of songs, and I want to sing some more songs now um, to close out the service here this morning. And maybe for some of you, if you're honest, as I've been speaking, you're like, you know what, Dave? That's kind of how I was when I came in. The only reason I was worshiping is because some guy at the front pointed and said, worship. So I stood up and I sang. Because I'm going through some difficult things right now, and, and life's difficult. And I've got to be honest, there wasn't much in me this morning that wanted to sing praises to God. But man, when Paul and Silas found themselves there, they chose to worship anyway. And the chains fell off, and they impacted the life of the jailer and his family. So we're going to do that right now. I'm going to ask if you wouldn't mind, we're going to stand. I'll pray, then I'll turn over to Justin, and we'll, we'll continue to sing together. Father, that, that song I used to sing in soccer stadiums, the away crowds, they would all go quiet because their team was a goal down. And all the home team, all the crowd would point and scream, you only sing when you're winning. Lord, don't let that ever be said of us. Don't let anyone ever point and say to us, you only sing when you're winning. Lord, I pray that people who know us, those of us who have made a decision to follow Jesus, it could never be said of us that we only sing when we're winning. Man, there are some times, Lord, where we're winning and we sing because of all the great things you've done in our lives. But there are other times, Lord, and I think this worship is even more powerful. There are other times when we sing, when there's nothing in our circumstances that makes us want to sing. But like Paul and Silas, we choose to sing anyway because we love you, God. We know that you're amazing. And we know that sometimes, sometimes when we sing and we worship, that's when we experience those chains breaking. That's when we experience those walls around us collapsing. That's when sometimes, God, we reach people that would never have been reached had we not found ourselves in those circumstances. So as we continue to worship here this morning, Lord, I pray that you would hear everyone. Those who are singing with a reason to sing and those who are singing, Lord, who it's, it's tough but are still making that choice to sing praises to you.